Today we are in Matthew uh, chapter, I'm just going to jump straight into it, Matthew chapter 5. Maybe y'all know where we are, so we're just going to jump straight into it, all right? Matthew chapter 5, verses 31 through 32. And I don't really start this way, but I'm just going to read the text. And it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. If you're visiting today, (laughs) I'm going to tell you, you waded in deep today as we get to uh, look at the Word of God, and and Jesus has something uh, to tell us today that is uh, profound, and it's not an easy subject uh, to cover, to consider, it is uh, hard for us as we think about marriage and divorce, uh, as many of you um, have, in fact, most of you have been affected um, by divorce in your lives. You know the pain firsthand. Uh, you know the pain that is mar- in marriage, and you know the pain that is brought about by divorce, and you know the repercussions of divorce. Uh, and so as we talk, even just talk about this subject, it becomes heavy on our hearts, right? I mean, it's already like, ugh. Um, almost so, you might think, I don't know that I want to come today. Let's just, I'll, I'll pick up next week. Um, but I believe that the Lord has something to say to you and to me today um, and says something to us as a church, as the people of God in this place, and it, and it has something to say to the world around us. Amen. I think what we'll hear from Jesus today is the same thing that you're feeling, that we should not take divorce lightly. Um, and as we look at this scripture, I just want to prepare you already. This is not kind of like the normal kind of sermons that I am used to even giving. Uh, we're going, th- this is a, a technical sermon. I say that because it is matters of the law. Uh, and it is uh, something that you kind of have to have some background. And so there's going to be some if, then, there, there's, and witches. Uh, and, I mean, not actually real witches. Uh, but there's going to be all kinds of Uh, Well, if this, then that. And in fact, when you look at this scripture, if you were to read it the first time without any context, um, it becomes a a passage that too often people have come to and misapplied because they don't know, they haven't looked into what the context is. And so if you read this for the first time without doing some kind of work around the context, the immediate context and the larger context of Scripture, you might look at this verse as Jesus telling the Pharisees that there is a reason for, uh, if you're trying to, to get to what the point is, you might say there's a reason for divorce, which is sexual immorality, and that if you are a divorced person, you are committing adultery and the person that you are married to is committing adultery as well. And that's not really what it's saying, by the way. So let's get a little context. So the shape of this sermon, this is going to be a little different than normal, is that we're going to look very locally at this verse. We're going to look around the context of that verse, and then we're going to pull back even further, and then we're going to come back in and look at the verse again, okay? Okay. So be patient with me. You kind of go, where is he going with this? That's where I'm going to try to go. But you pray for me. All right? And I'll pray for you. Thank you. 
this isn't a, uh, these aren't how-to verses. There are some how-to verses, but these are not how-to, what-if verses. These verses, uh, Jesus' words here, are meant to uh, adjust our attitude. Let me tell you what is happening. We'll, so we'll, we'll pull out a little bit further. Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he has the Pharisees in mind. And in this group of scriptures, this Sermon on the Mount, he is regularly saying, you have heard it said, but I now tell you. So what did the Pharisees, the religious leaders, say and think about divorce? Well, there were two camps uh, of religious leaders. There were two different rabbis that had two different schools that looked at divorce in maybe two different kinds of ways. And so one, uh, one school looked at a passage we'll read in just a minute in Deuteronomy chapter 24, and they said, because of this passage and the teaching in Deuteronomy chapter 24, the reason you can divorce someone is only because of sexual immorality, and then you can divorce them. The other school saw that same word for sexual immorality, we'll look at it in just a minute, and they said, no, that just means unclean. That means that they can do just about anything. And so they wrote up a whole list of things that your this is men versus women, by the way. The, the whole list of things that you could do, uh, your, your wife could do that were divorceable offenses. The famous ones are they can burn your food. If they burn your food, you could divorce them. So you have these two schools, and they're saying these two different things. And so the Pharisees are, are saying, they're, they're kind of whispering in the back, background, uh, Jesus, which one is it? Like, how can we, what, on what terms can we give that lady the certificate of divorce? What do you get from that? The hope is, I want to alleviate my problems and alleviate myself of this woman. That's what it's saying. How can we do that? Which one is right? Can we, can we divorce her because she doesn't look quite as pretty as she used to, right? Can we divorce her because uh, I don't like the clothes that she wears, I don't like how she keeps the house, I don't, any, because she argues with me, because of whatever, or is it something that is only restricted to sexual immorality? So Jesus' response is, I'll read it again. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Are you starting to hear how this makes sense? But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, as you listen to that, aren't you going, I don't quite get it, right? These don't seem to make sense together. Why is he saying this? Hopefully, it will become clear in just a minute. Jesus is confronting a people who are happy to divorce their wives. They are looking for opportunities. Just, uh, Justin, uh, Casey preached two weeks ago uh, the verses that preceded this, and he was preaching on lust and, and adultery, and that, that you can lust, your lust is actually adultery. And so this is the, the vein that Jesus is going in. He is correcting especially the men in the society and saying, you think, you think you're all right by not hanging out with the prostitutes, but 
in your heart. You have lust. You're committing adultery. And, and here, he's now saying, you think, you think because you hand someone a certificate of divorce and you free them to now go and remarry that you've done something good. You've not. You are broken inside. There's something that needs to change. I'll, I'll pull back even further here. What, what place does marriage have in the kingdom of God? Uh, in Genesis chapter 1, uh, ch- Genesis chapter 2, at the creation of man and woman, we see that, that God says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Cleave, as it says. I love that, the King James Version. Should be cleave together. And as the and and the man and his wife were both naked and they were uh, not ashamed. You see, they were called to be together, to cleave together. And this is both a, a, a kind of metaphysical thing, it's kind of a spiritual thing, but it's a very physical thing, right? You understand what I'm saying. And so when that bond is broken, the uncleaving of that, it causes destruction. And so God has intended that husband and wife would come together and they would have a monogamous relationship together. It will be one in the flesh. They will be united in spirit that they would become an entity together as husband and wife. And from that, God is going to use that marriage, that covenant together, to do all kinds of awesome things in the world. He is going to have them multiply, to increase, to fill the lands, to fulfill his promises, to take dominion from this connection, from this initial institution. He's going to use that bond unlike any other. So the first institution that we see in Scripture isn't a friendship. It isn't a government. It's marriage. And so marriage is fundamental and foundational. It is the the place from which God is going to do his great work in the world. And so here we have have Jesus. He's saying, now, I think you've forgotten. (laughs) I think you've forgotten what it's all about because I have created man and woman to be together and you have, you've looked at that relationship and when it has not fit your purposes, you've given a certificate of divorce. And it should not be. Where does, where does marriage have its place in the kingdom of God? It's fundamental. In fact, when we see Jesus in his first miracle in the book of John, where is, he doing, where is he doing his miracle? He's doing it at marriage. He is initiating. Do you see this? This is so cool. He is initiating his ministry, the miracles, the signs that he is the son of God by doing a miracle at a wedding. He is affirming like this is foundational. This thing here is foundational to what I'm going to be doing in the world. And so at that wedding, he is now confirming and encouraging, affirming the institution of marriage. 
It's foundational. And then we see in the book of Ephesians, in chapter 5, that Paul is describing who the people of God are. And he says that you are the, what? Bride of Christ. Yeah, you're the bride of Christ. And, and that we are to be the people who come together and see him as our loving groom. And so he encourages this covenant in doing so. He's saying, now, husbands and wives, you have an important part in your marriage to share with the world what it means to be the people of God. So you submit to each other because you're submitting to Christ. And because you're submitting to Christ, you husbands love their wives, and wives submit to their husbands, respect their husbands. You do that not just so you can have a quid pro quo, that you can kind of have some kind of exchange, but you're doing it under the headship of Christ because we are his bride and we've come together to show his glory to the world through our marriages. Huge responsibility. But in Genesis chapter 3, after he's made the foundation in this marriage, what happens? Satan comes in. The woman and the man both cave into their temptations and desires, and they sin. And the response to that is God then, uh, God then says, look, now from now on, there's going to be enmity between the, the woman and the serpent. There'll be an enmity between the husband and wife and the man and the ground. Sin enters in. And where do you think it's going to be most profound? It's in that foundational relationship of husband and wife. And so even though we are brought together in, the, brought together in this covenant, although we are, we, are, we are matched together and cleaved together in the so beautiful things that happen, sin enters into those things and it causes a world of trouble. Amen. Amen. With people with heavy hearts today as we even come to church, our, our hearts are heavy because our marriages aren't right. And we, we know the, the consequences and, and the effect of that sin, our own sin, and our spouses in especially. We're very aware of that. Well, we come and, and that, that beautiful covenant that God has created has all kinds of problems in it because of sin. How in the world can we fulfill the great promises of God in our marriages with the fact that sin is weaving its way through? Is there any hope for us? So let's, let's look back. These two houses of, of, of scribes and Pharisees and the rabbis are looking at Deuteronomy chapter 24. I'm going to read it for you. And, and we'll pick out the word that they're really fighting over. Here it is. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 24. When a man takes a wife and marries her. Now this, you have to remember in this culture, it is a man taking a wife. This is all about the men. If she, finds, if she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her. There's the word right there, indecency, okay? If he finds, she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her. And he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts, her in her hand, puts it in her hands and sends her out of his house and she departs out of his house, and if she goes and becomes another man's wife, and the latter man hates her, and writes her a certificate of divorce, and puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house, 
If the latter man dies, Ben, are you enjoying this? Because this, he's our, uh, is Chris here too? Yeah, our resident attorneys are like, yeah, I'm following you. The rest of us are going like, what in the world are they talking about? All right, explain it to us later. All right. And the latter man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. Or if the latter man dies who took her to be his wife, then her former husband who sent her away may not take her again. Did you follow all that? He may not take her again to be his wife after she has been defiled, for that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not, uh, you shall not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God has given you for inheritance. What's he saying there? Well, they are fighting over this word, indecency. If you find some indecency, that word in Hebrew is the word erwe. And it is a word that's not used very often, and so it's a little harder to define exactly what it means. In some regards, it's being, it's being used as something that is uh, sexually improper. Other places, it, the other place, it is something that is just kind of repulsive and nasty. So these two different schools kind of took it a little different way. I will speak some good German to you, and I think I know what the, tra- I would best translate it with a good German word, and the German word is smut. That's probably as best that I can get for you. If there's some kind of smut in that person. So, one school says, that's really meaning sexual immorality, and the other person says, if you find anything that's not good, that you say, ugh, I don't like that about her. Give her a certificate of divorce. He puts it in her hand, sends her out of the house. And so they, maybe you want to stop there. But what he's saying is, okay, let's just play this scenario through. Mind you, did you see this? There's, there's an if in there. Because this is a conditional clause. That means that he's making up a hypothetical situation. He's not talking about a real situation. He's saying, say this happened. Just get you thinking about really what the nature of the law is. You got this guy. He sees some smut, whatever it is. He says, I don't like that. And so he gives her the certificate of divorce, which in some ways they said, oh, well, look at you. Because before before Moses wrote about a certificate of divorce that said you could have a certificate of divorce, he could just say, I'm done with you. Don't come back here anymore. And she would have to do that, which meant then she was living out and she had to have someone take care of her. She was a She is open to all kinds of abuses, had no privileges, had no rights or anything. The certificate of divorce that Moses gave said, give that woman a certificate. If you're going to do that, at least give her a certificate of divorce so that she can remarry, so that she can find protection, so that she doesn't have to go and wander around. And so we'll see in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is saying the same words he's saying in Matthew 5, but he's adding that. Moses gave you that certificate of divorce because of the hardness of your heart. He he didn't get it because this is a good idea. He said, you're so messed up inside. You're going to ruin that woman. At least give her a certificate of divorce and give her some protection. Okay. Now let's go back to this, if then, so much, such which, right here. Let's play through the scenario. You're so nice. And you give this woman you don't like the certificate of divorce. And then she goes and she marries another guy, which she's permitted to do. 
She marries another guy. That guy has the same attitude as the first guy, and he gives her a certificate of divorce. And then he dies. Can she remarry the first guy? She can't remarry the first guy. Because there's a law. You can't go back to that. You've given a certificate of divorce. You have broken because this woman now has cleaved to another man. All right? To go back to the first man would be adultery. She can't do it. It's against the law. Did you catch that? Now, let me read you what Jesus said again. And maybe it makes even more sense. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Why is Jesus saying that? He's saying when you give this spurious certificate of divorce, because you have a hard heart and you don't care about marriage like God cares about marriage, when you do that and you send that woman off, when she marries, what you're doing, mister, <laughs> that's what he's saying, like, what you're doing, mister, is you are causing adultery. You are causing adultery. And you are causing adultery. Mean, this, is, this is bad. You are causing adultery with your wife. <laughs> You didn't quite catch that the first time reading, right? Like Jesus is shaming him. Look what you're doing. You have not taken the marriage covenant seriously. You have not been faithful to that covenant. You have hard hearts. Look at you. You're causing all kinds of trouble. You thought you were so good. You gave him a certificate of divorce. What have you done? Well, you've made other people commit adultery. I don't, I don't think this is Jesus saying, okay, you can't get remarried. If you get remarried, you are forever in adultery if someone gave you a certificate of divorce. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. I think what he's saying is, shame on you. Look what you've done. This is not the way it should be. So, yes, yet again, a hypothetical situation. Okay, breathe a little deeper. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus is saying, the reason that this is happening is because of a hardness of your heart. What should we do then? Well, brothers and sisters, people of God, we should take marriage very, very seriously. And we do not have permission to divorce for any kind of reason. I don't believe either in this moment that Jesus is giving every reason why there could be a divorce. I think there are probably some reasons, there are some reasons for divorce. One, he talks about sexual immorality here. And, and by the way, this word sexual immorality is the word porneia. And, and this is the idea of, it, it really strongly, most closely associates being with a prostitute. But it also includes fornication and adultery. It is... Uh, also, what we see in the preceding verses is this kind of, of lusting for that which is not yours. And so I think there, there is a, a reason that there are some possibilities, but I don't think that's what we're supposed to be talking about right now. 
I don't miss what Jesus is talking about. He's not trying to give them a way out. He's saying, I want you to engage in the thing that I gave you, and I want you to do it the right way. Why? We're in the middle of the Beatitudes, aren't we? The Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, and you've looked at the previous verses, he's saying, what should fill your marriages is not this lustfulness, this desire for things that you don't have. What should fill your marriage is meekness. What should fill your marriage is each of you should... Uh, to love each other as I've loved you. For each of you should, and so in the Beatitudes we see like this is the formation of what it means to be the kingdom people. If you haven't listened to the Beatitudes, you need to go back and spend some time. Like this is what fills your marriage. And so Jesus is calling them back to, a new, calling them to a, a new way of living, to the foundational things that were found in Genesis of what marriage is supposed to be. And Jesus is now showing them this is the new way. And the way you're going, the way those Pharisees are going, they're walk, working in the hardness of their hearts. The point of what Jesus is saying is he is affirming and encouraging the marriage covenant at great cost. He is acknowledging that we are sinners. So right now, on the books, like in the law of the land, this is not exactly how the law of the land looks at marriage, right? We don't, we're not faced with the same thing we don't, I don't think there's as much trivialization of, of divorce where we feel like you should divorce for any reason. And if that is present in the church, it needs to be extinguished. That's not the way of the people of God. But I do believe there are some things that have been lost when it pertains to, to marriage and, and uh, the relationship of cleaving together. Let me give you some, some words, brothers and sisters, <laughs> who are dating right now. Listen to me. Don't marry non-believers. The Bible tells us not to do that. This should make that terribly clear to you. Like if you enter into this covenant relationship with someone who is not committed to following the truths of God and walking in this way, you are running into great trouble. It's forbidden. Don't do it. I think within the church today, there are folks who believe that they, they, they treat the dating relationship or even engagement as marriage. It is not. That physical relationship between husband and wife is something more than just physical, right? God is doing something in that cleaving. It is not okay for the people of God to live in a common law relationship. It is not okay for us to lust. It's not okay for us to engage in pornography. It is not okay for, for us to be rebellious and foolish, even demonic. Brothers and sisters, we're not called to be children of darkness, but children of light. It's not okay to sleep around. That's not the way of the people of God. So, a heavy topic. Where do we go from here? Well, I'm going to tell you, the first thing to do is repent, right? Return to what is good. Ask for forgiveness. 
This is the way of Christ. And receive forgiveness. If you have, if you are divorced, if you have been someone who has not been faithful to the marriage covenant, repent and also receive forgiveness. Be restored. That's the way of Christ. Begin to apply the gospel in your marriage. I know it takes two to tango, but you can't control the other person. Amen? No, brothers and sisters, there is a better way. The, the Pharisees wanted to use this little phrase here to find a good reason why to get divorced. In fact, they even said, if there is something like this, you have to get divorced. It's not the case. I was talking with some of my brothers at a sister church, and there's a man there, and his wife has, uh, is an alcoholic, and she has, uh, she's really messed up things in the house. Uh, such that now she can't be trusted and she uh, is not good with the kids. And so she's, uh, they've moved out and left her. So they are having as much normalcy as they can as a family. But the husband has not divorced his wife. And he said, I'm praying for her. He even provides for her and he's looking for her redemption. I'm not telling you that's a, the right answer all the time, but I'm going to tell you it's the right answer for them. That's the way of the people of God. We're looking for redemption. We're praying for redemption for our, our husband and our wife. We're, we're working out that sin in our own lives, so aware that it exists. Brothers and sisters, wherever you are, choose the better way. I know it takes two to change, but you can't change the other person, so you be faithful and pray. I believe the church needs to be a, be a help. We've, we've talked about in the, in the fall having some ways to encourage marriage, and um, so be looking for that. Keep us accountable for that in leadership <laughs> as we, um, we want to be a help to you because it is not easy. Sin is right in the middle. But here's the good news. We have a good God. We have, we have a God who does miracles. We have a God who redeems. So no matter where you find yourself in that historical spectrum, there is a God who's come to save you and loves you no matter what has happened before. And he's come to renew and refresh and revive and give you hope again. Cling to him. You're going to have to. Let him restore your soul. Let us be the faithful people of God, loving the things that he loves, putting the importance on the things that are his priorities. And let him do a great work in us. Amen.